truth is that the vision for the, the church globally remains the same. There is, there is one vision, and that is to go into all the world to preach the good news of Jesus, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, but this year, for us as a local church, for us here at Hope Church in Lytham, I believe that, that God is calling us to apply the principles, the, the building blocks of Acts 2.42 um, to help us in this. And so I kind of touched on the scripture briefly last week and then dug into the practical stuff. So this week, I just want to spend a bit more time in that chapter, in that portion of scripture, just to really cement things into our hearts and our spirits so we can, we can move forward um, well in this. So why don't you turn with me, if you've got Bibles, to Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Um, and the, the word of God says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amazing. So this is the birth of the early church. That's what we're reading about right now. So this immediately follows the Holy Spirit descending at Pentecost, 3,000 people coming to know Christ. And then we get this portion of scripture that just lays out four very simple, very practical uh, building blocks to apply um, to, the, to the church. The apostles' teaching to fellowship to breaking bread and to prayer. Really simple, really obvious things, but foundational elements and principles that we need to get in place, that we need to solidify, that we need to make sure we are doing right in order to, to grow, in order to, to, to grow. And, and the result, as we see in that portion of scripture, is that that is exactly what happened, that the church grew. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And what I mentioned last week is that we've got these four principles, these four building blocks, but the truth is that they're all of equal value. Not one of them is any more or less important than any of the others. They are all equally important in order to create this, this practical, functional, dynamic community that is fueled by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on this year. And like I said last week, I shared a whole bunch of, of information. So please do uh, get online and, and listen to that if you missed it. Um, but as I said last week, and I'm going to say it again this week, we as a leadership team cannot devote your lives for you. We can't do that. That is absolutely something you need to do. Each and every one of us has to make a personal decision. Each and every one of us has to choose in our own hearts and in our own lives to devote ourselves to these things. And so that is the, the challenge. That is the call that we're kind of throwing out um, at the beginning of the year. Like the saying goes, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Or in the words of Morpheus to Neo in The Matrix, I can show you the door, but you have to go through it. 
I'm going to continue to quote The Matrix till, <laughs> for as long as I'm alive. It's my favorite movie of all time. Um, but we're going to provide these opportunities for you as a church, for us as a church to, to grow and to devote ourselves to these things. We're going to be launching life groups and we're going to be running a marriage course and Alpha and we're going to go to conferences and we're going to have the, the cafe and we're going to do all of this kind of stuff. And so we're basically going to say here, are, here is a pool of resource in order for you to, to walk in this, this path, this journey. Here is the water. All you need to do is take a drink. And come on, can we drink deeply from this water this year, from this provision this year? You know, I've heard some incredible reports about Friday night. Um, I can only apologize that we, Ruth and I and the family weren't, weren't there. We'd made plans before I even knew this was going to be a thing um, for family to come over. But I've heard incredible things about, about Friday night and the, just the fellowship that was had. And, and that's going to continue Friday evening cafe once, uh, once a month. And that's just a great opportunity to do exactly what it is that we're talking about, devoting ourselves to to fellowship and to sharing meals together. And that's where we, we deepen relationships and, and we grow. And there's still time, church, to invite someone for lunch today. Because the first Sunday of every month, we're having Sundays around the table. And that is not we're putting tables here and cooking for you. That is us suggesting that you guys invite someone to your house for some dinner. Or invite someone out for dinner and go to a restaurant. Go to McDonald's. It doesn't matter where you go, what you eat. What matters is that we gather together. I'm not insulting McDonald's, Phil. <laughs> I love McDonald's. <laughs> and so this word that we're talking about, devoted, proskartereo in the Greek, like I mentioned last week, it's not a one-time thing. We don't devote ourselves once and then that's it. We're done. We are, we are devoted. It's written in the imperfect tense, which means it's a continuous act. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread and, and prayer. It was a continuous thing. They had this single-minded, ongoing pursuit of Jesus, the one who matters the most, putting him first, seeking first his kingdom continually. I wonder if, if we were to take this portion of scripture and write it in the 21st century to the modern day Christian, I wonder if it would perhaps sound a little bit more like this. And they devoted themselves to themselves and they continually and passionately pursued a self-centered life of ease and of comfort. I don't know, perhaps that's a little bit harsh. Perhaps that's, that's a tad extreme. But I think that the world that we live in today kind of fuels this idea of me first, me above everything else. That as long as I take care of number one, everything else will be okay. If it feels good, it must be right. And, and perhaps as believers and followers of Christ, we can maybe fall into the trap of, of living the way that culture suggests that we live. Maybe not to the extreme, like the quote I've just said, but, but perhaps in some of our attitudes and, and some of our behaviors that actually, instead of putting God first, instead of putting others first, we're thinking, well, I better just make sure I'm okay. I better just make sure that, that I'm okay. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I preached that message 
called First Things First. And we, and we looked at devoting the first of our year, the first of our month, the first of our week and the first of our day to God in a, in a variety of ways through prayer and fasting, through our finances, through praising together, through seeking God's presence. And I believe that that's what we're seeing modeled for us here in the birth of the early church in Acts chapter 2. That's how they were living. It says they prayed together. They met in the temple daily. They pooled their resources and made sure that, that no one went without. They shared meals together. This does not sound like a self-centered community, does it? This is very much, let's make sure that everyone is okay. Not, I'll make sure I'm all right and then I'll go and help out. There was this real intentionality about pursuing God. And you know, we talk about, in business terms, leading from the top down and, and setting an example for people to follow. But what I'm seeing here in this scripture is that actually it's from the grassroots up that actually the community as a whole were living this life, were, were devoting themselves in this way. It wasn't the disciples telling everyone, this is what you should do. They were just doing it. They were just living it. It was part of their culture. It was, it was their DNA. It was the heart of the people as followers of Christ to devote themselves in this way. And so we need to be asking ourselves, am I giving the best of what I've got to God? Or are we just giving him what's left over once we've, uh, once we've done our to-do list, once we've paid all our bills? Are we just giving him the, the leftovers, the, the dregs? And if it's the latter, we've really got to ask ourselves, am I truly devoted to God? Am I truly devoted to him? Because if we want to live a life that is fully devoted to God, if we want to live out this principle of Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by accident. In the same way that you don't become a business manager by accident, you've got to work your way up the ladder. You've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the effort in order to get there. In the same way that you can't get that beach body that you've been dreaming of by accident. You've got to go to the gym and actually use the equipment, not just take pictures in the mirror. And then you've also got to watch what it is that you're eating. And you've got to do all of this stuff in order to get that body that you want. And you don't just find yourself in a loving marriage by accident. You've got to carve out time to be with each other. You've got to get to know your partner. You've got to invest in them. The Bible says put the other person first. We can't have this self-centered lifestyle and attitude. You've got to put the other person first. You can't, it's not just going to happen by accident. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes sacrifice to get all of this stuff. And so if we want to create a dynamic and thriving, life-giving, spirit-filled church community, it's not going to happen by accident. We're not just going to wake up one morning and see that our church is living out an Acts 2.42 lifestyle. We're going to have to put in the work. We're going to have to put some things in place in order for it to happen. We need to have this ongoing, single-minded pursuit of Jesus. Because the truth is, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for you. 
And the only reasonable response to that truth is to live a life that is 100% unequivocally devoted to God. We've got to be devoted. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And what followed? What followed that? It says, All came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I love that. It says that those around them, those who saw what was going on in this church community, they were filled with awe. They were filled with awe. Because these people were devoting themselves to things that drew them closer to God because they were seeking first Jesus and his kingdom and his righteousness. God added everything else to that. And the church exploded numerically because non-believers were looking on who knows that we're being watched as followers of Christ if people know that you go to church if people know that you love Jesus if people know that you proclaim to be a Christian they are watching you sometimes they are watching you hoping that you will fall mess up fail so that they can call you out on it or so that they can affirm their uh, idea that it's not worth bothering. But hopefully, hopefully as they're watching us, that actually what they will see is something within our lifestyle and our attitude and the words that we say that will fill them with awe. That will fill them with awe. Because the people in Acts that we're reading on, they, they looked on at what was going on and they thought, wow, these people are so full of love. These people are so full of joy and of compassion. And they were seeing these miraculous signs and wonders being done. And that was born out of seeking first the one who matters most. Seeking first God and his kingdom. It was born out of their devotion to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. And you know, this, this, this verse, Acts 2.43, it's exciting, isn't it? Signs and wonders. Oh, it gets us a little bit excited as Pentecostals, doesn't it? Can I get an amen? <laughs> the miraculous. Seeing the blind see, the, the deaf hear, the dead raised to life, sick people being healed. It's, it's super exciting and it's so awesome. And, and that kind of stuff is, you know, I'd love to see more of that. I absolutely would love to see more of that, to hear more stories in our community uh, uh, here, because it's awesome, isn't it? It's super exciting to see all of that kind of stuff. But it's not to be chased after. It's not to be chased after. That's not what we're seeing, I believe, uh, in this model set out for us by the early church, because what it says is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Not they devoted themselves to chasing after signs and wonders. They devoted themselves to these four key principles, to seeking first his kingdom and all of the other stuff God gave them anyway. That followed, that flowed out of these four principles. Now, we want and we need more of the, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. 
But what we're seeing in this passage, I believe, is a balance. It's a a balance. And we we have this reference to signs and wonders and, and the awe that it brings, but it's sandwiched between two verses of the practical stuff. It's sandwiched between, if you excuse the turn of phrase, the bread and butter elements of what it's talking about in this verse. Because Acts 2.42 says they were devoted themselves, they devoted themselves. Acts 2.43, signs and wonders flowed out, everyone filled with awe. Acts 2.46 is then a continuation of the practical outworking of the building blocks. So it's like, get these things in place. Signs and wonders, but get these things in place. Make sure you're doing this stuff. It's an interesting fact, and perhaps a challenging way to to look at this is is trying to find the power of the Spirit in everything. Trying to find the power of the Holy Spirit in everything, because it's easy to see the Spirit at work in the miraculous. It's easy to see, ah, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. When the sick are healed, that's easy to spot. But can we also see evidence of the Holy Spirit at work when we're gathering together around a meal table? Can we see the evidence of God at work when we're, when we're having conversations with each other? It's almost like the idea of, of the fact that as, as people, we've got two ears and one mouth. We should be listening twice as much as we're speaking. Some of us need to hear that today. But in this scripture, what we're seeing is building blocks, signs and wonders, building blocks. We've got to focus on these things way more than chasing after the supernatural power of God. There's a balance. There's an indication and an implication of where our focus should be. And one thing that I heard while, while studying this passage, which I found quite interesting, maybe, maybe you will too, is that when you look at the chronology of Acts, how many years this book spans, is that actually, roughly, on average, you get a recorded miracle, a spiritual event, roughly once every two years. And I, I don't know, I, I found that really interesting because you read this book of Acts and it's jam-packed with supernatural moves of God, and yet... The reality is, it's not all that often. It's still amazing when it happens, but it's just not, perhaps not as often as, as we thought. And so actually what we're seeing in Acts is, is the church is growing, the church is expanding, and God is doing incredible things. The Holy Spirit is moving in power. But a lot of that was happening through the teaching, through fellowship, through breaking bread, And through prayer. And the truth is that God is more regularly present in the mundane than the miraculous. God is more regularly present in the mundane and the everyday than the miraculous. And so I hope that that maybe even just that little bit, as almost an aside, maybe comes as a comfort to some of us because, I don't know, maybe... Maybe you feel like less of a Christian because you've not seen or experienced a miraculous, powerful move of the Spirit. And I would hate for anyone to feel like they were less of a Christian, that they didn't count as much as another person because, well, I've not, you know, you you sit around and hear these stories and, yeah, it blows your mind and you're thinking, wow, God is amazing, but I've never seen it. I've never experienced it myself. And so maybe you feel less of yourself, but 
That's not what we should do. That's not how we should feel because God is still moving through fellowship, through teaching, through breaking bread, and through prayer. So if we've not seen any of this stuff, if we've not experienced any of this stuff, what can we do? We can keep on applying these building blocks. We can continue to devote ourselves to these things. And as we look back through the text, we see this incredible symmetry where 3,000 people are added to the church on the day of Pentecost through what, what seems to be this dynamic supernatural moment of preaching of the word and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But then we also get this beautiful picture of the church growing numerically through the normal everyday process of church community, hearing God's word hanging out together, breaking bread, praising God. And through that, God adds to their number daily. Not just every now and then, daily. Daily. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I realize that that maybe that was a bit of a tangent. I'm not saying we should not be expectant for the Holy Spirit to move. I am a card-carrying Pentecostal. I absolutely believe that the Holy Spirit moves. We see it through the life of Jesus. We see it through the book of Acts. I've seen it in my own life. Some of you have experienced it in your life. I believe that God wants to and will move by the power of his spirit in miraculous and supernatural ways. But what I'm saying is that we also should not ignore the power of the spirit in the everyday stuff. In the everyday routine and ordinary things. And so as we read on through the text, picking up from verse 44, it says, And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Uh, Is anyone disappointed that that didn't come out as one of the principal ministries that we wanted to look at this year? Let's just sell everything. Just hand it all over to me. I'll figure out where it's going to go. No? A bit too far. And day by day, it says, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. These practical demonstrations of, of attitudes and behaviors that flow out of Acts 2.42, taking care of the poor, looking out for each other, gathering together, doing life together, eating meals together. It's all found in a community that is devoted to, that is devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. I heard a quote this week from from Dr. John Andrews that said, God is as present in the breaking of the bread as he is in the healing of the sick. And by choosing to follow Jesus, The result of our devotion to these four principles then causes more people to enter into the kingdom of God. We see it in Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves. People were filled with awe. And then they were added to the church day by day because they were being saved. And so we we get this beautiful cycle of continuous growth and development of God's kingdom. 
You know, Jesus told that parable, didn't he, of the, of the sower who went out and he sowed the seeds and, and some fell in various places. But one of them, it says that, that they begin to, grew, uh, begin to grow and then weeds grew around them and began to kind of choke them out and, and wither these, these, this growth. And the, the thought behind uh, this vision of applying these principles is not to get things in place to get rid of the weeds, to, to cut down the weeds. What we're suggesting is uh, that actually by applying these four principles will produce a lifestyle that will stop the weeds from growing in the first place. Because it's far easier to reap a harvest when there are no weeds than it is when we have to deal with the weeds at the end of the harvest. Devotion is an attitude that results in action. And so with our focus on the right things, our actions will follow in the right things. And that's what we're seeing in this Acts 2 church. It says that they grew through learning. They grew through learning. That's this this idea of the apostles' teaching. They grew through learning. They were hungry to grow in their knowledge of God. And the truth is that at that time... They didn't have access to all of the resource that we have got today. You know, we were watching uh, an episode of The Chosen um, the other day. And, and if you've not seen it, definitely go and have a look. It's an incredible kind of dramatization of the life of Jesus. Um, and, and what happens in there is we see that they don't have access to the, the Torah. Um, so they're having to memorize scripture. And so was it Matthew? He's going to some of the other disciples and he's saying, well, can you give me some insight? Can you give me some scripture? And one of the disciples just gives him one verse. And he says, there you go, from memory, there you go, this is one verse. You just sit on that for a little bit. And they, they didn't have access to the word of God in a beautiful leather-bound format that we've got today. They just didn't have that. They had scrolls that were kept in the temple that, were, uh, that you were allowed to view it if you were X, Y, and Z. But Joe Bloggs on the street did not have this. But us today, I've got this and 20 other translations on my bookshelf. But I've also got this with 127 million translations and it fits right in my pocket. We have got such a wealth of resource that there is absolutely no excuse for us to not devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. If you've got the internet, you can get on YouTube and there is a wealth of teaching from incredible uh, scholars across the world. We have got such resource. We have got such access to the word of God, to inspired teaching of the word of God. We need to devote ourselves to it. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I love that. It's living and active. It's not just pages on a book. It's alive. If you're going through something, there is a, a, a phrase, there is a verse, there is a passage that will help you in this book. It's alive. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, 
for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be, may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you want equipping, if you want to live this dynamic, uh, spirit-filled community of God, we need to devote ourselves to his word. Devote ourselves to his word. And what else we're seeing in, in this Acts chapter 2 church is that they were a caring church. And that's in, in this word fellowship, koinonia. It's an idea of partnership. It's an idea of togetherness. It's an idea of, of sharing with one another. We're meant to be in this together. I think I said it last week that you can probably do three of the four of these things on your own, in your own house, without speaking to anyone else. But this idea of fellowship you're not going to be able to do on your own. We need other people. God said, didn't he? It's not good for man to be alone. We're meant to do this together. We're meant to be community, family. That's what it's supposed to be. You know, studies have shown that families who eat together stay together. Families who eat together stay together. There is a culture of you do your thing, I'll do mine thing, I'll cook for me, you cook for you, and we'll barely see each other. We might have a nod at some point during the day, but eating together, gathering together around a table, even if it's just once a week, it gives life. It gives stability. It's so important. It's so important. You know, I love it when 21st century studies catch up to biblical principles. There is so much in the Bible that recently uh, there are studies coming out. So just as an aside, the idea of the Sabbath, they're now finding studies that say, oh, if we rest more, then actually we'll be more productive and effective in life. Cue the, the four-day four weekend. It, it's all pointing towards biblical principles. Right from the outset, from the beginning of creation, on the seventh day, God rested. And now, today, they're just going, oh, do you know what? It's actually really beneficial if we just stop for a day and, and rest. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But sharing meals together, doing life together, hanging out together, it is life-giving. It is so important. And the early church knew this and they, they lived it out. That's what we're seeing in this portion of scripture because eating together creates an atmosphere for a more intimate expression of community it creates a sense of belonging and it's where deeper relationships can be formed and and I'm believing that that's what started to happen on Friday I'm believing that's what will continue to happen after church over the dinner table today that actually we will build this this intimate expression of community this these deeper relationships the other thing we're seeing in this church, Acts 2 church, is that they were a Christ-centered church. And that's in the words, the breaking of bread. That they were focused first and foremost on Christ. And that phrase primarily refers to the communion table, to the Lord's Supper that we shared this morning together. But what it also meant in the early church was a meal, like a Jacob's Join style thing, if you remember those. You know, it's just kind of getting together and, and, and sharing food together. Paul called it a love feast. And that would then culminate in, in communion. So they loved to, to do this together. They were also a praying church. 
They were a praying church. And prayer is encouraged and taught and spoken about throughout Scripture. I don't need to spout off all of the verses about prayer. We'd be here until next year. But let me just give you two. Colossians 4 verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Romans 12 verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Prayer is of vital importance. It comes last in the list in Acts 2.42, but like I've said, they are all equally important. They are all equally important. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. Prayer keeps us focused on God. It keeps us focused on his ways. And you know, prayer is an action that goes, that goes deep and it goes wide. It, it goes deep and it goes wide because uh, it goes deep when we pray to to, to gain a greater knowledge and understanding of, of who God is and also when we do that, of who we are ourselves. So we get that, that depth because when we ask God, he reveals. When we ask, he reveals. His answers are sometimes beyond our understanding, but he's still answering. He's still giving us that, that knowledge. And as we repeat the process, we, we learn more about the heart of God and that begins to change us from the inside out. So we get that, that depth of knowledge and relationship with God and, and out of that change and transformation in our lives comes the, the, the wide element of, of this prayer. Because when we pray uh, to, to, to deepen our relationship, it then gives us the, the, the knowledge, the, the empowerment, the encouragement to pray outwards, to pray for our worlds, to pray for our families, our friends, our co-workers, our, our schoolmates, whatever it might be. You know, through prayer, we invest in our community. We begin to ask for, for provision. We cry out for, for mercy. We give thanks and we praise God for his goodness. It begins to, to go far and wide as well as high and, and deep. And we love the world by engaging God on the behalf of others. And again, in the same way that when we go deeper in our prayer life, we grow. When we go wider in our prayer life, we also begin to grow. And they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They had these foundations, these, these building blocks, these core areas in place. They devoted themselves to these things from the and from that and from that God blessed them he grew the church and so once again this week like I did last week I'm asking us as a church can we devote ourselves can we devote ourselves and I know that I've labored the point now over two weeks, but I just really wanted to cement this in our hearts and in our spirits as we head out into 2023, that we can devote ourselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. And so here we are. Our commitment as a leadership is that we will provide opportunity for you to devote yourselves in a whole bunch of ways. Here is the water. Will you come and drink from it? Will you come and drink for it? Let's pray. (coughs) 
Father God, I just thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your grace and for your mercy. God, I thank you for the example that was set out for us in Acts 2, 42, for this this model of church life that devoted themselves to you, that devoted themselves to these practical uh, uh, building blocks of church. And that out of that, out of that devotion came awe and wonder from those who looked upon them. That there were mighty moves of the Spirit because of their devotion. That God, you blessed them. That God, you grew that church because people looked upon these people devoting themselves in that way. And they said, wow, They've got something that I want. There's something different about them. I wonder what it is. And so God, I pray this year that we as a church, as we begin to devote ourselves in in these four areas, that as we begin to have that single-minded intentionality about pursuing you, about pursuing your word, about pursuing relationships with each other, about about petitioning you in prayer. That as we begin to devote ourselves in those ways, that God, we would become attractive to those around us. That we would begin to become a light in our community where people look at the people of this church and say, what is it that you've got? Tell me more. That when people come into the cafe on a, on a Monday morning, that they'll sense your spirit, even if they don't know what it is. They don't know how to, what to call it. They don't know why they feel that way, but they just say, well, this is a welcoming place. This feels warm. This feels different. That God, you would begin to grow this church because of your people being faithful to devoting themselves. Help us, God, to get our priorities right in life. Help us not to neglect any one of these areas, that just to recognize that they are all equally important, that we need to live this out, that you call us to live this out. And so God, I praise you and I thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. And I am expectant for what you're gonna do in this church, in our lives, in this community this year as we make this commitment to devote ourselves to you.